0: and gentlemen and welcome to a new episode of box office bootleg i'm your co-host robert and i'm your co-host reggie welcome everybody absolutely and uh good news obviously we kind of inferred to it it wasn't officially confirmed but now we are officially on spotify woo 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 yeah so we don't have to do the meme of telling you to check out our soundcloud page uh fortunately you can actually be able to listen it to your Spotify and everything. It's right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Search for box office bootleg. We'll be the first one to hopefully be able to pop up. And uh, we're currently working to be able to pop up on iTunes podcast. So whatever is your fancy, we're working on it. We're committed to it. And we're excited for the future. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just we're going over a few delightful topics for the day. And... The particular topic we're gonna start off with is that, you know, just to differentiate ourselves from other film, box office related podcasts, is that we're looking at the little guy. We're not making another podcast about Avengers Endgame. And I know a lot of you are gonna say, you literally did that last week where you talked about Avengers Endgame for 30 minutes, which I say, shut up.
1: Hey, everyone has to talk about
0: it. Is either that or Game of Thrones. Hey, the spoilers have lifted May six officially. May six officially, and you know, ju- just on a super quick tangent, did you see the Spider Man Homecoming? Trailer? Yeah,
1: this is see the Spider Man Homecoming trailer.
0: I know, uh, and it's exciting details about it. Uh, definitely the introduction of a potential multiverse, which is really exciting. However. This is Mysterio we're talking about. Yeah. That's what everyone's saying. It's like...
1: like It could be it could be just a bold face lie. Just to get people all hyped up.
0: I would love... I don't know if they feel like they're going to get the same... I don't think it was a really negative reaction to Iron Man 3. Because Iron Man 3 was the most successful of the Iron Man films. If they yeah. tried to pull off a Mandarin level kind of twist. But... Uh, this is a twist that's appropriate to the character, so mm-hmm. I'm curious if like, are they actually gonna like treat him like a character, or, or, are they just gonna be like, no, this is Mysterio, this is Quentin Beck, he's literally like the con artist supervillain.
1: I mean, there's only one way to find out is to watch the movie because yeah, uh, like because you also have these all these loose ends because uh, loose ends like remember you still have the Vulture that's still locked up and you don't know if. Do, uh, oh they're definitely
0: oh they're definitely setting up the uh Sinister Six. They're definitely setting up the Sinister Sticks. Because we saw at the end mm. of Homecoming, you know, uh Mac Gargren, who is played by the guy who played um Verres. Uh mm. I'm trying to remember the fool's name. The the famous guy from the Far Cry three. You know, the guy where uh, it's like, have they ever... Vargas. Okay. Vargas. Like, have they ever told you the meaning of insanity? You know, that guy is playing Mac, Mm -hmm. who ends up being the scorpion in the comic book. So they're already, like, laying... They're laying the threads. And a really cool thing that somebody brought up is that with the five-year... Yeah, Okay spoilers just in case just in case we've already said that there's a multiverse but that's not really spoiling endgame but we're getting back into it so with the five-year gap that occurs in endgame Mm. well remember uh donald glover's character in homecoming specifically brought up his nephew and his nephew is Mile morales so with the five-year gap, you're already talking about a kid that's now going to be a teenager. Yeah. So you actually have, like, a semblance of being able to do a MCU Spider-Verse mm. in comparison to the animated Spider-Verse. So they already have, like, an ability to be able to set up those elements with mm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Phase 4, which is kind of crazy that, like, they're the ones that are gonna have to follow in the shadow of Spider-Verse as opposed yeah. to them being able to be the first ones to get their hands on the property or that story
1: well so, i mean sony's already i mean but sony already like already um like going with Spider-Verse
0: not just going for it like they literally signed Phil Lord and Chris Miller yeah. to something like a nine-digit deal to basically <laughs> develop a Spider-Verse television universe effectively mm. Where they're gonna be developing a bunch of properties. Uh, Obviously, there's gonna be a Spider Verse sequel, but a bunch of like television projects too, you know? And also, just a shout out to our classmate, Miguel, uh, who is actually the director of the Spider Ham short that was included with the Blu ray release of Spider Verse. So, just throwing that out there, uh, Miguel. Congratulations, that's a really awesome achievement. You know, just moving on. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of Sony, though, we are moving on to one of Sony's most surprisingly, I would almost say that, would you argue that their subsidiary, Screen Gems, is probably more consistently successful than Sony's actual feature releases?
1: Yes, in a way, because most of their I mean if you the look budgets at, are so low. Yeah. Like with a lot of their budgets being low, it's like it's it's you already set the low you already set it low enough to cross it and become profitable. Even even if you get the worst ratings. Like some of these movies, you know, if you look at the tomato meter scores or the metacritic scores, like a lot of them are
0: are just straight up garbage. Do you only get like a positive reviewed one? From Screen Gems. And for people that don't know, and uh, we're, we're going to go into a little history lesson with Screen Gems. So Screen Gems, and the reason why we're bringing it up, both me and Reggie saw the recent release, The Intruder, starring Michael Ellie and Dennis Quaid. And it's another film that's very much in the umbrella that is Screen Gems. Screen gems are the people that are behind the Resident Evil series, Underworld Blood Wars, but they're also very focused on, you know, those black thrillers and also just like, I I guess the reason why I said suburban thrillers is because for a little while ago, about a decade ago, they were also dominant on stuff like there was the roommate there was uh there was like the one that was like the stepfather or something like yeah the stepfather that came out in 2009
1: that was the well, I mean that was a remake of, of a uh classic I mean the step like I'm assuming that might be the remake of the uh classic uh slash film from the 80s
0: oh I'm sure I'm sure or thriller. But, but but it fit yeah uh 1987 horror film of the same name yeah, yeah. but it it's they're the Bloomhouse that doesn't get the press that Bloomhouse does, and uh, why do you think that is?
1: Well, that's because there's no face behind Scream Jumps. Like again, like you're looking at you looking at Scream Jumps as a subsidiary, kind of like you look at Fox Fox Two Thousand or Fox Searchlight or like any of the sub any any of the subsidiaries a lot of the major studios have. Yeah, Jason Blum. Uh, like Jason Blum, you know his name, and he's. Uh, I would compare him to uh, Roger Corman because he produced a lot, a lot of genre films. A lot of them feel like more like B movies, um, and he produced them very cheap and a, and a and a really fast rate.
0: Well, well, um, Jason Blum's comparison to Roger Corman is the opportunity factor, where it's like I'll be able to if a director comes to Blumhouse respectively he's like hey you can make the film basically any way that you want to just keep a five million dollars or less yeah and for some people that's been able to completely revive their career like look at m night Shyamalan, where yeah. it's like m night Shyamalan but- is like a notoriously difficult person for production and it took somebody like jason <laughs> bloom to basically be like look man you can make uh yeah. you can make whatever movie you want keep it under five million and and do what you want to. I mean, that's
1: what Roger Corman exactly did in the 60s and 70s. Absolutely, Because, I mean, like, everyone that you talk... Like, any Gen... um, Gen X or Baby Boom... um, Baby Boom directors, a lot of them, like, went through the Roger Corman film school. So you got your Jack Mm -hmm. Nicholson, um, Ron Howard... Scorsese got... Scorsese worked on Boxcar Bertha. um, uh, Even... um, uh, I don't know. Piranha was one. Uh, Piranha James was, Cameron. Yeah, Piranha with James Cameron. Then you also have yeah. uh, uh, the guy who directed Breakdown and the uh, the, like uh, John, Jonathan something. Yeah, like they, yeah. Uh, like he was like part of a uh, panel that was yeah. uh, talking about Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah.
0: Well, what's yeah. interesting with um the trajectory, respectively, yeah. is that now it seems like Jason Bloom, especially with his partnership with Jordan Peele. Now it seems like he's trying to like lean into that prestige.
1: But, I mean, he's, but he's already been doing it with uh, with, uh, with your boy, Damien Giselle.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's Wind right. Pledge, that's right. Like, Wind Pledge was just like his first nominated film. That's true. That's true. And Corman though, Corman, Corman is like one of those, um, he, he's, I'd almost compare him to like, Something like in and out where it's like In-N-Out knows exactly what it's doing. It's not going to try to introduce a new item or specialty stuff. It's like it knows exactly what it does. It sticks with it and it works for him. Like Roger Corman, you know, throughout the years and decades that, you know, he was prominent, kept it to it. Like he didn't suddenly get that urge where it's like, ooh, I have these talented people that I can just be able to call up and just be able to like make a prestige film you know as opposed to like jason <laughs> bloom where mm-hmm. he's i don't know if he directly moved into that but the fact that the projects that he was able to sponsor got the accolades yeah. that it did you know and i mean whiplash given a chance of whiplash especially considering that uh whiplash initially started as a short film yeah. that he was able to throw his weight behind mm-hmm. and whiplash is one of my favorite movies just period like uh uh when the meme was going around about a year ago i put it at my number seven mm-hmm. like i think whiplash is outstanding but that's me but anywho. So going with screen gems, though, that is the interesting thing with screen gems, where it doesn't really have like a specific force behind it, but there's clearly films that it gears towards. Like the
1: film, like the film knows where the market, uh, like where, like where the market, like they're very targeted to like certain niche or like certain audience. So. um and, like, and they know, the, and they kind of know, like, what the budgets that they're, uh, like, they're producing these movies at. They know they're going to mm-hmm. turn profit. Exactly, so, yeah. um So, yeah, you, you know, you look at, like, like, some of these thrillers that features prominent black actors, like Idris Elba or uh, Michael Elay. Morris. Yeah.
0: Chestnut.
1: Or yeah. Entourage. Regina Hall. Like, she was in, like, a mm-hmm. couple of those uh, films I've seen.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: it's, and, you know, the, and they know, like, the type of audience that
0: would go to see these movies. Absolutely. Yeah. So and just to put a perspective, like um, most of the output that Screen Gems has put out and just going to the quick historical context about the Screen Gems name, because Screen Gems has been around since the 1920s, mm-hmm. like Screen Gems initially, like just getting into a little background about animation history, respectively because obviously both me and Reggie uh, animation MFA background. Uh, obviously there was the case where Walt Disney was developing the Oswald, uh, the rabbit shorts and everything. And then of course, Charles Mintz took that property from him and all of the artists that were working on Oswald, except for of Erwicks who stuck with Walt Disney. Well, Charles Mintz, still wasn't able to do the Oswald shorts. So he developed shorts like the Crazy Cat series. And like, I could throw a bunch of names, but I think outside of me and Reggie and anybody in an animation department, it's a bunch of shorts that were successful-ish for the time. Mm -hmm. But the studio respectively that he created, Screen Gems, which was the designation behind it, was never able to match up to like the Fletchers you know, or MGM Studios or Looney Tunes, and especially not Disney. So it went dormant for a little bit. And then Columbia Pictures revived Screen Gems as a television studio. So stuff like Father Knows Best and Dennis the Menace and the Partridge Family and Also, they were one of the first studios to really be prolific with syndication. So the whole reason why the Three Stooges was able to be super popular on television, Screen Gems was the reason for that on television. So um, for about 30 years, they were able to do good as television. And then there's a whole bunch of like studio shenanigans where like Columbia got bought by Coca-Cola and then Coca-Cola sold Columbia to Tristar Pictures, and then Columbia Tristar was bought by Sony. So yep. the Screen Gems television department, which became Columbia Television Productions, is now Sony Television Production, which for a lot of major shows, Sony is like one of the major uh, actual producers of television, yeah. respectively. So, however... They wanted to bring the Screen Gems name back. So they did that back in 1999. And then, of course, uh, they tried to be a little niche. But then I think the thing that changed it for them was 2002. Everything that you could say about their line of content came from this. We had the Mothman prophecies, which, of course, leads to the fact that, oh, they do like the sub genre horror kind of stuff mm-hmm. you know and then they had slackers and then they had resident evil now the resident evil series has been their bank money like basically the the main film that has probably spawned uh, has probably funded the budgets for the majority of their films has almost predominantly come from the resident evil series and then the following year you ended up with underworld Right, yeah. and the Underworld series ended up producing all of this, and then oh my god, two thousand four, you got served, breaking all the rules. Mm, so we're getting into that. We're getting I mean, like, into that I mean, demographic, but with that shit.
1: But I mean, like, no, it's like they've been doing it. Like I'm, just, like even the movies that I'm looking at right now, because um, you know they they have the independent films. with Snatch that came out two thousand one. The brothers I've seen bits and pieces of it's a romantic comedy with Morris Chestnut yeah. Um and two could play that game I remember like re- uh, watching that one that's that's what Morris another movie with Morris Chestnut and uh Vivica a. Fox I
0: know I know it's just but
1: it's like again it, it's like again like the it's more of the special I mean like it's a specialty market where where it's just all market-driven.
0: You know what's you know what's crazy, though, is that looking at their lineup, is that if I had to teach a class about 2000s films, yeah. like films that came in the 2000s where it's like, these were just the films that would just come out. Where I'm looking at it now where it's like we have The Exorcism of Emily Rose that mm-hmm. came out. We had Hostel <coughs> that came out. So yeah. we're talking about like, you know, uh, Torture porn genre and then we have like when a stranger calls so we have like oh pretty white teenager girl being confronted in her house kind of genre and then they would do shit like ultra violent and the covenant where it's like i i would oh my god i would want to show i would want to show the general Zers, where it's just like you want to know how (laughs) mid-2000s films work I would just show them the covenant, and stomp the yard. I would just place that in why front you, of them. Why would, you,
1: why would you show them stomp the yard?
0: Because stomp the yard, Reg, is a quintessential film to demonstrate how mid two thousand cinema was. Reg, for real. <laughs> again, for real. Again,
1: there was more people that remembered the step up franchise than stomp the yard. But it was like again, it was like. Like when you talk about these films, like they had main competitors, like 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 around. If you talk about the two thousands, you're looking at you, you're looking at Screen Gems against Lionsgate. Like Lionsgate was getting into that action. They produced all the Medea movies, and then you also have um, and you also have the Saw franchises.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: That, that's like that was like so. Pretty much, Screen Gems was competing against Lionsgate for the fair share of uh,
0: yeah. Audience uh, yeah. now. Now, it, it, it's cool that you brought up uh, Lionsgate because Lionsgate had the benefit, right, of being able to get a franchise. Uh, the the final split and everything, although now I think it's actually coming to bite Lionsgate in the butt a little bit. But um, what I'm leaning up towards that with is Screen Gems is still doing that same time of same type of content where it's like it has the pg-13 horror flicks it has the black thrillers Mm -hmm. it has resident evil and underworld it has like that super evanescence disturbed themed kind of like you know dark blues dark black kind of Mm. Aesthetic for their action, spooky thrillers, and everything. And um, I was just lo- looking up, and I totally forgot Lakeview Terrace, Lakeview Terrace, the one with uh, Samuel Jackson yeah. as like the corrupt, another black thriller, yeah. but suburban-ish. Like yeah. they make so many films, yeah, again. where it's just a black couple being fucking harassed at the residence. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's like it's, yeah, it is. It is a it is problematic. You got you're obsessed with uh, Beyonce, and like Beyonce and just Elba mm-hmm. were a happy couple until till like <laughs>
0: crazy. Well, well, a, a big prolific one for them too is Obsessed, which came out ten years ago. Yeah. Where it's like the the black thriller genre, but a little bit more. How would you say like like? It, it was it, like someone trying to like bla- uh, break the couple up with that. No, I would call it an erotic thriller because like was, I want to consider something like obsessed or it was a remake.
1: I, like, I felt the movie was a remake of something. Like I could have, oh, seen. it's
0: definitely in the spirit of like fatal attractions. I think like mm, you no, want to call was, it a remake. Then, no, no, it is it, no,
1: it a remake of something.
0: Um, I wasn't able to find that, but it's definitely like in that spirit for sure. 'Cause uh yeah,
1: like it, again, like the plot was I mean like we if you read the plot of the film, it's like it's it's familiar. It's just that that Jaleeds, you know, that Jaleeds is Beyonce and Idris Elba. Like yeah. Like still like still coming from uh uh from uh uh I just, the wire Like that's like he was he was still yeah, on the wire. Yeah, Idris
0: Idris like, hadn't quite blown up into like me and Rich <laughs> have joked before where it's like, you know, the Keem Peel skit with uh, Liam Neeson, Lisa's. which is a thing. But <laughs> anyway, the Liam Neeson's one, me and Rich have basically said if we could do it for Idris Alba, we would do it for Idris Alba. Or Idris Alba's. Yeah. Idris Alba's from wire? Idris
1: Alba's from nah, the wire? Pacific Rim, son.
0: Pacific Rim, son? <laughs> with that amazing ass name? Number one,
1: Don't ever touch me again. Luther! Rule number two. Don't ever touch me again. Reg. Luther. Oh, Luther! <laughs> Motherfucking Luther! Motherfucking BBC detective series! Oh no, series. the Fast and Furious, uh, spinoff? The Motherf- Black Superman!
0: Motherfucking <laughs> Black Superman that he can say- I'm the Black Superman! He literally says it in the trailer. Trailer. Literally, <laughs> literally says it in the trailer. We're we're gonna have a time and a half with that crap, but uh, yeah. So it, so it was able to do that, and then since then, it still kind of kept with that. You know, every so often, it's able to do that, where it's like uh, no good deed. You know, mm-hmm. the perfect guy uh, when the bow breaks. Uh, let's see what was what was yeah. the other well again the one proud that I mary was one that came yeah. out last year that I was haven't seen proud spirit
1: but uh uh it was yeah like at random i did see the perfect guy in theater it's like like it's just, just to see it
0: just yeah just it.
1: yeah just to see it and like the and and like watching it with the crowd like a lot of these movies are so much fun um uh, like yeah. that one when the bow breaks, I took my like um, sister with me to see that one. It's like no, you gotta see these movies. It's like it's it's like they're dumb as shit, but it's so funny with the audience.
0: I'm, yeah, it's, it's but
1: like in the intruder, it's like the intruder does does yeah. it, like fall falls into that same uh, same category. Yeah. it's like the plot is dumb, like the characters like just don't make any sense. Yet watching the audience like becoming frustrated as the movie progresses and like starting talking at the screen,
0: <laughs> you know, I, I'd almost say that it is a film that seems designed for you to shout at the screen. Yeah, it is uh, I think or to fair get drunk and watch a fair assessment. So um, we, we've now finally come to the intruder, just the latest kind of flick that is very much in the spirit of screen gyms where you know it's it's a little engine that could right where screen gyms hasn't gotten distracted because what i feel like is that in the early 2000s lionsgate definitely competed for the same audiences respectively but lionsgate was able to get their hands on hunger games which of course made them hundreds of millions of dollars and I think that kind of—I think,
1: think they had like—I think they had another franchise.
0: Lionsgate. Well, Lionsgate was always the house of Saw and Tyler Perry. Yeah, like Saw did and they, Tyler Perry. Well, who did uh, Twilight? Twilight was done by Summit, and then Lionsgate uh, bought Summit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Lionsgate bought Summit, and Lionsgate once they got their hands on Hunger Games, <laughs> Hunger Games was able to blow up to unbelievable exponential numbers and it's gotten into their head. And now Lionsgate is in a position where it's like, they're probably going to have to merge with somebody just to be able to compensate for the money loss, you know, but screen gyms, screen gyms, of course has the benefit of being owned by somebody like Sony. So they have kind of like a safety net, but the fact that screen gyms is just chugging along doing these kind of films still to this day, you know it's almost like when um like last year van's warp tour had its last tour right mm. and it was the same people Reg. Mm. it was still Godsmack. it was still disturbed it was still tool it was still papa roach it was still the same dudes and it's like wow y'all are just still chugging along wow yeah i'm not even like embarrassed for y'all i'm almost impressed and i i would say that with screen gyms you know i'm almost impressed that they're still chugging along with the exact same philosophy that they've been doing for basically 18 years at this point yeah <laughs> which is nuts which is nuts so anywho the intruder so reg tell me the first half and i'll take over the second half <laughs> I mean, alright. Lay it funny. down. Lay it down. I mean, like,
1: like, the movie starts off with a couple that you get, like, a couple of, uh, couple of dialogue uh, lines to explain, like, what they do. Like, uh, the husband is a graphic designer at a prominent ad agency. In and, San
0: Francisco. Yeah. Like, the whole setup is that it's in the Bay Area, so yeah. the house that they buy is in Napa Valley. Valley. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like, so they... You know, him and his wife decided, like, you know, we want to move into the, the into the valley and, like, you know, buy a house and, like, raise some family and so forth. So they come across uh, <laughs> come across uh, this house um, that's like sitting in the woods. And as they were approaching, as they approaching up to you know to like talk to the owner, they were greeted by Dennis Quay sweating, holding, building a shotgun. Aiming at them and then firing off a round at a deer that was like right behind them. Yeah. So, uh, like immediately, the movie goes zero to a hundred and it doesn't stop. Especially with Dennis Quaid. Yep. And and again, like as as in Twin in the House and and you know he's talking about the history and uh, history history of he's you know, an building
0: house. guy. It, it it that very weird neighbor kind of guy where it's like why the fuck is he smiling so much why does he seem pleasant to a fault what is happening what is he hiding i mean so impressionable so impressionable again
1: he's very impressionable but but really it's just weird because because he'll show them the like they'll go to the room and say look like this is our family's tapestry and, you know, Michael Ely is, like, not that impressed, but he says, like, oh, it's okay. And then and then, cuts to Dennis Quaid having a disgusted look before he smiles again. It's like, let me show you the bathroom.
0: Oh, man. The, the little side edits that they do when they show <laughs> Dennis Quaid's expressions is just, it's just, ma ma. Like, he, he is, like, I don't know what is inspiring his performance performance he was just you? having fun it's like it's like i don't have to like it. it it's, it's scenery chewing but i'm trying to think like what do you think was like the specific archetype that he had to like base it's just of? him going nuts it's
1: just i am just gonna be like the craziest person on the planet
0: yeah or just like hey <clears throat> you know like the weird
1: Almost well, they- like
0: trying too hard, progressive, woke dad, and get out. Imagine if that dude, where it's like, I voted for Obama twice. Like, imagine if he was like a country shotgun. No,
1: <laughs> no, like, somebody, uh, like, no, like another reviewer that I was following mentioned that uh, he was wearing a red hat. So they kind of hinted that, though, he's one of those guys that. They're like the man's man because throughout the whole entire movie, he's like talking to Michael E. Like, look, you need to get a gun. It's like, no, I don't want, like, and Michael E. you don't know, have in the past.
0: Yeah, we'll like, get into that. Uh, it's like, because it's relevant to the ending. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, yes. So at this point, they bought the house mm-hmm. in Napa. And also, I swear to God, the house that they use is the same house that they use in the first season of the lifetime series Unreal which I got to say I've seen the first two seasons I haven't seen season 3 and 4 the first two seasons of Unreal is fantastic like it's a like um Unreal is the series right which is basically about this bachelor ish mm. series except Basically every single terrible thing you've heard about the production of The Bachelor mm-hmm. is included in this series. Like oh. the emotional manipulation, the, mm. you know, the suppression, the producers backlashing and like conspiring against each other. Like obviously it's super hammy because it's on lifetime, but the yeah. fact that like there's enough elements in it where the ridiculousness if you actually know what goes on in those shows, it's like It's not that ridiculous. Like you think, like, oh, there's no way that the producers do that, that kind of emotional manipulation for the contestants. Mm -hmm. And you just have to think for a bit, and it's like, oh no, they totally do that kind of emotional manipulation. But in the first season of Unreal, there's a mansion with like the main dude. It's the same mansion. I I I I would I'm 90% confident that it's the same mansion. See that they used where it was like his classic getaway it's it's this fucking pompous british you know blonde dude he does great he does great in the show um i'm trying to remember everlasting yeah the name of the show was called everlasting and unreal and like in the first season the main dude is this british you know socialite type you know he's a fucking hound dog and a piece Mm. of shit but you kind of love him because of Mm -hmm. it and the in the middle of the season they go to his getaway and it's like this belonged to like my poor uncle this is a terrible mansion we shouldn't use this (laughs) joint and that's the mansion that's in this movie so wow so just to leave your comments i'm pretty sure it's the same mansion so
1: anyone that sits there and watch that show on Lifetime. You know, all of the
0: seasons are on Hulu. Um, it, it has like a weird predict, uh, production convoluted thing where it's like mm-hmm. Lifetime didn't want to renew it, but they were already producing two seasons. So the entire series is on Hulu. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen season three or four. I don't know if it completely goes off the rail, but season one and two, it's great. It's on Hulu. Unreal. Check it out. But, uh, yeah, so the couple has bought the house. And then, what happens, Rich? Well, you you
1: would expect that, you know, like, there's Quaid, like, packing up all his stuff, you know, like, has, like, a heartfelt combined with the house and just move on to Florida. But not. Nah, a couple weeks later, a uh, couple, uh, couple weeks later, Megan Good, like, coming in uh, from work, sees... Dennis Quaid riding a uh lawnmower in their backyard mowing the grass. And she calls up her husband like, look, um uh, like like uh Dennis Quaid is in the backyard mowing the grass. I don't know what's going on. And and like Michael Elaine being, you know, like for some reason the writers been, like made him the more reasonable one. So like, look, we need to tell him he needs to go. Or we need to call the cops or something. Mm-hmm. But after he finished, she invites him to come, like to uh, to Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. because she feels sad that he's a lonely old man and he couldn't reconnect with his daughter who's living in Florida. Mm-hmm. And and to me, that's like, like that's where like the movie becomes frustrating because. Like, Michael Elay throughout the whole entire movie said, like, look, there's something wrong with this guy. Well, make a good, he's so oblivious to it. I mean, of course you say, like, well, I grew up in, you know, I grew up in the home, you know, in the, in the country where, you know, everyone's all friendly. We're all neighbors and stuff. But you just met a stranger and you sold, like, who sold the house to you.
0: So my counter, my counter is going to be this is that and we chatted about this before is that depending on the type of part of the country that you live in and the type of neighborhood that you live in you will have people just sometimes just show up yes
1: but that's like but that's the thing it's not like it's not cool like,
0: I ain't saying that it makes any like, sense I'm just saying it is a cultural <laughs> phenomenon that does exist it's not like a completely impractical phenomenon that like hey sometimes the person that sold you a house will just like chime in and just be like hey how you doing I wanted to mow your lawn you know so I, no, did, look, I look, get where the like, this, like
1: again like, this Quaid's character doesn't make any sense Like and the and like and the wife's reaction to it it just like it
0: just doesn't like compute. It's it it's the bigger thing that's slowly unraveled about what Dennis Quaid's character is actually doing. Dude, and um, (laughs) I think I'll I'll take it from here because this is where things get really, really predictable. Because
1: like Dennis Quaid had nothing to hide. Like his, 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 it's like, like, like the way how he carried himself, like, you knew there's something shady with this guy. So, so it's just a matter of time. It's like, it's just a matter of time when
0: the characters are going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, we're at the second half. There's already kind of like, you know, weird confliction where like there's weird stuff going on and where it's like, uh, Michael Ellie's friend ends up with the cigarette burn and his thing. And then like uh, Dennis Quaid's character keeps showing up and takes issue with all the changes that they're doing to the house. And then you start getting like little extra details and everything where it's like we kind of learn about, oh, the wife that you know, uh, to background for him and everything, Mm. Desequate's character says that, oh, my wife died from cancer two years ago. But then Mm. when Michael Ellie's character confronts somebody in a coffee shop, it's like, you know, that actually went to court and they didn't have evidence because apparently she committed suicide with a shotgun. But they weren't able to have enough evidence and they actually pursued murder charges against the guy. And then... It keeps escalating from there where it's like, oh, it turns out that his business went under his construction business, his engineering business went under, mm-hmm. you know, because of tax fraud and all this kind of stuff. So he had to sell this massive $3.2, uh, three point three million dollar home. And then we just keep it. It, it, it keeps snowballing. And the gal is keep and the wife is still trying to like give the benefit of the doubt, you know, to Dennis to Quaid. And Michael <laughs> Ellie, of course, is like super paranoid about it. Yeah. But,
1: but even with Michael Eli like being super paranoid about it, it's like even the way how you describe it, it's like a simple Google search. You mean to tell me that Google
0: doesn't exist in this? It's 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 the bigger thing where it's like if you're buying a three point three million dollar home. I don't know about you, Rich, but I'm gonna make sure that like I'm not buying from some dude that's like going through tax fraud or some shit. That seems like a fundamental thing you want to make sure where it's like, am am I a front? Like if I'm buying an expensive ass house, am I like actually like a front for like a like there there? If if you spend in that money, <sighs> no, you the, need like, to do the, your research. No, no,
1: no, 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 no. Because like no, I like, the like the house that they bought in Napa Valley that makes sense being 3.5 million dollars
0: what I'm saying is doing the research of the fool that you're buying it from is what I'm saying like you want to make sure especially like w- with the recession and shit and everything it's like you want to make sure that like you're buying if I'm throwing down 3.3 million dollars on a home yeah. I want to make sure that it's not like it, that it doesn't me- belong to like a Russian oligarch that's like funding not- malicious nah, 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 or some shit I want to like, like, that's again. me rich i want to be careful <laughs> i'm the one trying to be careful here uh,
1: no and then, and then instead he has his boy to like go out to like check up on him and like we all know what's going to happen yeah <laughs> no but but what gets me the most which i find it absolutely hilarious is mm-hmm. is throughout the whole entire movie like dennis quaid starts lusting after megan good's character like, he will be I
0: mean, I mean, like, the, the
1: thirst is real with this dude. Like, he, there, I mean, like, there are scenes where he just, like, stares at her ass while she's, like, preparing, like, preparing Thanksgiving dinner. Fierce? And then, and then, like, and then, like, throughout the movie, you notice his costume change. Like, at first you see him, like, you know, wearing the rugged jeans, like a coat and a hat. But then later in the movie, he starts strutting up wearing, like, skinny jeans and, like, a tight shirt.
0: with his hair slicked back the most ridiculous scene (laughs) and I have to wonder if it was actually in the script stuff is that okay this is already at the point where like Michael Elliott has already like discovered the information about the dude and what's insane is that there's a scene where like he confronts Dennis Quaid in the hotel that he's staring at I'm I'm putting quotation marks because we're leading up to that where he like tries to be like man up towards him where it's like (laughs) Hey, I don't want you coming to the house anymore. And then the following morning, even though, like, he drank a lot the previous night, so it's like an editing stupid thing. He gets fucking run off the road, gets a concussion, has to stay in a hospital. And then somehow Dennis Quaid is able to just show up and be like, I heard what happened to Michael Yeah, You know, I brought a pizza (laughs) with all this stuff. Right. And, um... The, so like he he the, the friend right shows up yeah. and Dennis Quaid obviously this is all spoilers I don't know if you're actually going to see it but like, of, so he's straight up so Michael Ellie is like dude the main friend who's already yeah. suspected some wild shit about Dennis Quaid where it's like okay friend I need you to go to my house to check up on her and Dennis Quaid is able to like catch the guy staring through the window <laughs> And he confronts the guy, telling Megan Good that you know, oh, there's a crackhead out there. I'm gonna try to no, deal with it. No, no, no. That. it's a high school boys. It's like you know those high school like kids are always no, no, out no, no. in the woods. No, no, no. This specific one, Reg. I he don't was remember like, him
1: saying like a crackhead out. Like, he said this one. I is swear like, to God, it was always like, no, this is a high school kid out there. That like, was the,
0: that was the excuse at the beginning, but this one where it's like where he's alone with her. Right, where it's like, it's like how, there's how, a crackhead looking into the window. How the fuck a crackhead would be in the middle of Napa Valley? Uh, That that was the flaw. She should have been like, wait a minute. It would have been a meth head, not a crackhead. Something's up with this guy. <laughs> like, imagine imagine that's the thing that, like, makes you be like, wait a minute. There's bitch, no we're fuck- in Napa Valley. There's no crackhead around here. No, there's no fucking crackheads. It would have been a meth head. There's something about this guy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What if he's lying about everything? Oh, no. Like it, Oh, no.
1: No, like, that's what I love about the scene afterwards. It's like, yo, he came to your house and said that I was in the hospital. How did he know? How did he know? But <laughs> and how, then, ooh, and ooh. then she's like, then she's like piece
0: of things together. It's like. <laughs> no, the scene right before that, though. And. The the sad potential about this and what we actually think of this film, right, is that there's a scene immediately prior to that where it's like it's Megan good in the shower, right? Except because it's PG-13, we can't, you know, it it, it, it can't be too seductive. But it's it's Dennis Quaid's character, like, straight up lusting. And it's him like he he, he (laughs) cracks open the door, right? He cracks open the door. And takes off his shirt, takes off his shirt like he's <laughs> about to like bounce into the shower. Or when she's or, taking a shower. I
1: was like thinking like, if this is a R rated movie, like he's just going to strap a jacket in it because because it's like it's either either he's going to get into the shower or he's just going to start oh uh, and start tugging it or at you, the door. Or you know what I think is that. Um, <laughs> because I, I mean like it's not, not so much as lusting. no this, this is like he's looking at porn
0: like this is porn face you're looking at I have a funnier headcanon idea <laughs> where it's like the script didn't actually call for Dennis Quaid taking <laughs> off his shirt he just took he was just so method that like he just took off his shirt in the take and the director <laughs> is just like I don't think that was you know just keep rolling it works with the <laughs>
1: No, like, like, or or Dennis it's like, Quaid. or or it's like, pretend that you're watching porn. And It's like, well,
0: I guess Dennis Quaid, I guess, I guess Dennis Quaid just enjoys watching his porn, taking
1: like, his shirt off. Like this, like it's like I gotta be shirtless, man, ready to go.
0: And it's like, all right, Dennis, man, being yeah, 16 year old, he's still like, he's still got like, he's still jacked. Yeah, he lost some weight for this one. Good for him. Good for him. Um. Yeah, so we, we we've established that now, where um, he he's able to go in where we clearly know that there's this kind of shit going on where he's shady as hell. Except what happens is that Michael Ellie still goes back to work, right? And one of the things that tried to like set mm-hmm. up the whole thing where it's like why uh, why make a good character is trying to give the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. so much to Dennis Quaid is that this just the friction where it's like you know mike welly kind of talks a little bit too sweetly yeah. to like you girls and like there's obviously like the, an attraction with like one of his clientele so there's characterization like yeah. i'm i'm you know what for it, for it, pure it, schlock which this film is yeah it at least sets up the characterization to where like why the fuck somebody would believe this? Where it's like the Megan Goods character yeah. just like being okay with but, some but, dude <laughs> showing up on the property. It's like, hey, I grew up in Indiana. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a small town. People would just do that shit. I'm used to it. Yeah. You know, or like why she would be accepting where it's like, oh, there's a conflict with Michael Ely, you know, just being a little bit too flirtatious for his own but, good.
1: Well, here's the thing. Part of me, part of me feels that this... This movie has been hacked, um like hacked um in the uh from from way too many test screenings. Because the way how it ends and like like and like and like they sorta hinted at his pa- like pre like hints that his infidelity. Yeah. yeah. But like it, it felt that like there was like a scene or something where it explicitly shows this, but yeah. a test because- audience Because, like,
0: like, the the, the main plan, everyone, if if it hasn't been obvious yet, the main plan that Dennis Quaid's character has, because it's revealed that the the wife that he had that supposedly died of cancer two years ago, he basically faked it. He was the one that murdered the wife. Yeah. It's revealed that, like, he's involved in tax fraud and all this ridiculous stuff. And he had to sell the house to be able to do it. And... The 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 key, the plan that he had, the, the plan that he has for what he's trying to do is that he was gonna sell the house to deal with his debt, right? <laughs> and he was super specific, right, about the kind of couple that he was gonna sell it to because his whole plan is that he was he was hoping to bait a couple with a proper new wife to replace his old wife so his his plan is like oh, I'm going to sell the house clear my debt I'm going to kill my wife because she was going to divorce me and I'm going to sell to a married couple with a cute better wife and kill the husband so I can take the wife for myself and still keep my fucking house yeah. That is his plan in this movie.
1: Yeah. Sounds like an awesome plan to me.
0: It almost worked. I, <laughs> like, as I was watching the movie, like, I was always thinking, wouldn't it be super fucked up if it actually worked out? Like, like he actually managed to kill Michael Ely's character... And actually still and was able to like seduce Megan Good and like Megan Good discovers it in the last five minutes and it ends up being like a you know a backlash kind of thing. Like it could have gone in that direction totally and it would have been like really fucked up and dark and no, funny. Because, but uh, that's what happened in the perfect guide though.
1: Yeah, yeah. Michael
0: Ellie, is, mean, Michael Ellie is Michael Ellie is very I mean, did you see that movie? I have not, but okay. you told me some about it.
1: Well, so. again, like like Michael Ealy plays like a computer, tech uh, uh te- I mean, a computer programmer that uh, that falls in love with uh, with Regina Hall's uh, character, and like after like this like this puppy love romance, which lasted for I want to say about a couple of months, they mm-hmm. kind of bro- uh, broke it up. So with them not letting go, he stalks her for the rest of the movie. Right, And meanwhile, she used to be married to Morris Chestnut, who, who
0: like, like halfway into the film, if there was a screen g- gets gyms, murdered. If there was a Screen Gems Hall of Fame, Morris Chestnut would for sure be in it. Him and Kevin Hart and uh, <laughs> Regina Hall and uh, Tarashi Henson seems to have done, like, a good bit of Screen Gems once. So, you know what? the Hall of Fame... Milo Jochevich of course Kate Beckinsale of course um uh, so yeah Screen Gems. so um uh, Screen Gems doing their thing but we got to talk about how this whole thing kind of comes together and how it kind of just completely trips over itself at the last minute so like I don't think it just trips over itself at the last minute it's just like well
1: we ran out of film let's just end it it Yeah, so. Or it was like a test screening where they had like an aftermath and it was was like, nah, we're done.
0: Yep. So everything comes to a head, right? Uh, Where Michael Ellie still goes to work, knowing that Dennis Quaid is this like manipulative guy and everything. So Michael Ellie is driving back home, right? Mm. And Mega Good comes to the home and Dennis Quaid is there and he finally does like his freaky, like, you're there for me. I'm here for you. <laughs> Everything that I do is for you. Kind of speech, and yep. what ends up being revealed is that Dennis Quaid's character wasn't at the hotel at all. He was living under the house. He literally had a tunnelled out room underneath the shed. It's like where he he could just
1: but, pop in at any time. But 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 like but what makes it what makes it really funny is. Is is one, all right. So one entrance is like the shed in the backyard. Yeah. But it leads all the way up to like the, uh, leads up to the cabinet where they keep the
0: towels on the second floor. That's how he enters in the house. Um, film it. You know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to add a star to it because in the first 10 minutes, they do show Dennis Quaid showing the linen closet, which, Obviously, an important trope yeah. about screenwriting is that if you're going to bring something up in a movie, you have to reference back to it. So, you know what? I I, I think the screenwriters <laughs> of this movie are are disciplined in the art of storytelling. And you know what? I'm going to give credit where credit is due, where they introduce the linen closet. So the
1: linen closet is Chekhov's gun.
0: Absolutely. Holy shit. Yes. This is film theory. This is... Important film theory for this feature, and I think we should probably teach this one. So. <laughs> but but oh, going good, to, good I mean, we gotta get to the ending. We gotta get to the oh,
1: ending. Well, I'm, I'm like, and now, now I'm just looking at what uh, Dennis Clay was also doing. Like, he was like, and, and then, like throughout the whole entire movie, he's like a ninja. Like, one of my favorite parts is like, they're sitting up, like, like, they, uh, like, uh Megan, uh, Megan Good and Michael E. Like, you know, they all, like, they woke up in the middle of the night and they were like startled by some random noise. They found nothing, so they decide to make out on the, uh, make out in the living room. In front of the Christmas tree. In front of the Christmas tree. But then you turn the camera and then Discord
0: was just sitting there, just standing there, just watching them. Leering. It's like, how dare you, kid? How dare, <laughs> how dare you do shenanigans on this carpet like, that I've had for 50 years? How dare you? He's either either he's worried about the carpet or he's worried about that ass. Uh yeah, yeah, he has a good he has a good side for that. But um so but finally everything comes to a head. She sees that he's literally been living under the house. Yeah. Michael Ellie shows up. Nobody has called the police. They have like a whole back-to-back showdown where it's like a bunch of punching and all this kind of stuff. But then in the last and it, it, there comes a point, right, where like Dennis Quaid is just totally invested in this where it's like mm. she's comatose at one moment and he's like licking her chest and everything. Just like really committing to this weird stuff. And um, yeah, then Michael Lee, you know, they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then he he's he gets his hands on the shotgun because he just wants to, like, get rid of them both. Yeah, And then tense scene, tense scene. And they're hiding behind the door. He takes a bat straight into Dennis Quaid's face, right? Even though Dennis Quaid is already, like, pretty injured and everything yeah. with the knife in the back. Like, a straight knife in the back. And I don't know why Megan Good didn't just keep, like, stabbing him. They allow him to, like, disappear for a bit and come back with the I mean, gun. He, he
1: was a part ninja, part, like, like... Spirit, energy, Yeah, crap. yeah. I mean, like, I mean, the dude was just, like, creeping around the house and, like, was just, like, 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 coming down on Michael Eli, like, mm-hmm. like, landing some punches
0: and, like, knocking him over the bed. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, takes a bat to his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Eli is able to get his hands on the rifle. And there's a whole setup that they have throughout the movie where the, the obvious thing that Michael Eli's character is freaked out about is the fact that Dennis Quaid you know just us like rolling around with a rifle and a gun and everything and we get a the smitch in a backstory that we get for these two characters is that Michael Eli lost his brother to gun violence Mm. it's implied that like you know was in the streets or what have you but then in the ending right um he gets his hands on the gun there's a little like you know um he's trying to like uh, Dennis Quaid is just like it ain't even loaded pussy and Michael (laughs) Eli is like check your pocket. And it's like you had one left, and then Dennis Quaid is, like, freaked out. And then, (laughs) I wish it just cut the fucking movie right here, where Megan Good (laughs) calls on the cell phone, and she's like, Police, i like to report that my husband shot an intruder. And I fucking wish that it just (laughs) ended right the fuck there! But instead... They keep it a couple seconds where it's like Dennis Quaid is just like completely dependent, where it's like, you need to get out of my house. And then it's like, Michael Eli is like See you in hell. Or what does he say? I don't know. Like I don't I don't know. It's like life. go to hell. It, it's just a it's just a forgettable lie. Go to hell, flashbangs. And then it goes into like a really intense, like, you know, like, like a rap song. Super intense, like, you know, get out of my house. And that's how the fucking movie ends. It just shows shots of the house and it's like, you could have just You should have just had the balls to just end it when she says, right. shot an intruder. BAM! Credits end it okay, they they should have just stopped it right there. And instead, right. it, it's like the 20 seconds, just like, mm. okay, you just completely threw out this arc, right? Where it's like, are you trying to say, like, Michael Eli's character, like, became more of a man by the fact that, like, he got his hands on this? Even yes. though, like, he was able to apprehend. Yes. He was already able to apprehend the guys. So it's like, you could still maintain the fact that the character was still able to, like, beat this country sociopathic pathological no, liar no, no, by it's... just his intellect and beating him across the face with a bat so like having it literally end by him just like completely flipping on you know his whole like hesitation with it it's like see a good know. guy with a gun will save the day you did fine with the bat
1: dude you did fine with the bat. You could have no, just, like, but, bam. But what's funny is, is the first time I heard about this movie, I, uh, like, I forgot how I signed up with uh, Sony. Like, it was, like, if you, you sign up with, like, DVDs or whatnot, they'll they'll usually have, like, uh, email, uh, like, email lists where it's, like, hey, we got some free screenings. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I think it was, like, one of the uh, screenings I went to, like, for award season. So, it's, like, hey, we got. You know, like, you sign, you sign up through their website and it usually will let you know. Yeah. I knew this movie was coming out since
0: January. So I had a chance to go see it. Oh, man. You could have given us a heads up, Reg. You could have done that. Oh, well. Yeah. Anywho, uh, this one is definitely one that is fun drunk. Uh, Dennis Quaid gives it 190% <laughs> for it. It's It's... It's such like an archetypical. It's almost like one of those kind of like algorithm films, but they just so happen like, to get their hands on somebody like Dennis Quaid to be <laughs> the creepy former house owner, yeah. which I think is able to like kick it a step above other kind of flicks like this that you can well, find.
1: It's one of those things where it's like, wait, Dennis Quaid in a movie where he's crazy,
0: uh, yeah. like his brother. Yeah, it's like I, how. I wonder how much, like, <laughs> or, how many or, times did it or, up?
1: or Or imagine, like, this is, like, perfect stunt casting. Mel Gibson.
0: Except Mel, I think, would probably have, like, actually choked <laughs> at making good, and it would have been really just, like, Jesus Christ. Mel's I I gonna actually choke the shit out of this woman. Get this <laughs> the fuck off. What the fuck is wrong? Like he's trying to kill a pack of them, man. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So it's like Dennis Quaid, it's like none of the baggage of Mel Gibson. So, but, um. Uh, yeah.
1: Or what if it was, what if it was, Liam Neeson. <laughs> uh,
0: Liam Liam can't do that, like, smile. Like, Dennis Quaid, what helped him with this role is that, like, he can. He, but his character Charlie Beck has like that mm. like weird just like hello neighbor kind of smile which like helps sell it a lot yeah but yeah so uh Rich, what would you give it one out of 10 i would give it a 2 Do i'm it. a... it's like dude
1: it's like 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 on principle like on principle it's like i can't i can't like i can't like just say like oh yeah you can You Like, you know, it's because it's like, you know, oh, it's like hilariously bad. I'll give it a five.
0: I'm going to say that I'm going to give it a three. And my reasoning for that is that this one had the potential to just like completely dive in with the schlock. Because that's what it is. And schlock is great. Schlock is a good time in the movie theater. I mean, Screen Gems, you know, absolutely knows what they're doing with, you know, schlock and everything. I mean, the fact that, like, you can even write an article about something, like, Obsessed, you know, with Beyoncé and Idris Alba, where it's, like, you know, it's... You're not going to say it's, like, a good movie, but it as far as entertainment and schlock, it's something that just, like, just sometimes you just want to kick back and just, like, you know, (laughs) with, like, Glass of Rosé with Mm. some, like, nachos or something like that and just be, like, yeah, you get her, (laughs) Beyoncé. or But this one had... The potential to be. But I think there were just like certain things that affected it. One is the rating where it's like this thing needed to be R. We needed to be like... We needed to like dive into just like how fucking weird and crazy this guy is. Yeah, that's one. But
1: but I think it's main... But I mean, like, no, like knowing that I had a chance to watch this movie back in January, uh-huh. this movie was most likely was subjected to a
0: lot of test screening. especially in the last minute. Like the last minute is definitely a decision where it's like, really, you're just gonna like throw throw out like everything to just like shoot this guy in the face and then yep. literally hard cut, shoot hard cut credits with the <laughs> with gangster rap, yep. It's like, it is so, like, immediately jarring, and it's like, guys, y'all, it's like, it's there. It's there. Now, just looking at the future lineup of screen gems, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Screen gems, the interesting thing about them is that, you know, they don't really dive in into the prestige stuff. However, they are definitely, you know, they can pull some gems out the, they can pull some gems sometimes, you know? And, um, like, for example, their upcoming releases. We have Bright Burn, which I'm actually really looking forward to. Um, the, the director of The Intruder, Dion Taylor, is actually directing another thriller that's going to star Naomi Harris and Tyree Skimpson and Frank Grillo. So. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty it's much a cop. Bit. It's like it's a cop terrorizing a black couple. Like, oh my god, that's right. It is totally that it is. Oh my god. Black and oh. blue? Black and blue, oh my god. Oh man. So, basically a remake of Lakeview Terrace, except instead of Sam Hale Jackson, it's, a, it's Frank Carrillo, so... <laughs> oh god damn, the Punisher! So so basically... So you got the Punisher
1: coming after no, you? No,
0: no, 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 no. Uh, Crossbones. No, he was the Punisher for uh, Netflix. No, 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 no. That's, uh... Oh my god. What's his name? Oh
1: I'm sorry, it's
0: it's what's his name? No, did he play the Punisher in No War? Frank Grillo played Crossbones in Winter Soldier yeah. and Silver War. But I could
1: have sworn he played uh like Well no 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 I get him mixed up. I know I get him. That's mixed Joe Barenthal. Thank You're you. You're thinking like, of Joe
0: Barenthal. I know
1: I got him mixed up with Joe Barenthal, but at yeah. one point
0: I thought he played the Punisher like Nah. Baba nah. Warzone? Oh, no, no, no. That was Ray Winstone. Ah. Oh, my God. We could do an entire thing about Punisher Warzone. Uh, Now, see, Punisher Warzone, I would say, is an excellent example of schlock. Especially in the second half. mm -hmm. Like, second half, it goes pure schlock. And it actually ends up becoming pure entertainment. This one is so close to that. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Maybe Deion Taylor, he's done this one. He has... Black and Blue coming out in September, and Screen Gems, of course, is doing Monster Hunter. You know, where of course it's Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Jojovic and another video game adaptation, and they're spending a lot of money on this one. So, but with that, we'll actually yeah. use that as a teaser. Um, let's, Rich, uh, what's League. your,
1: what's your, uh, well, with Monster, well, I mean, with Monster Hunter, uh, I could see it being like a huge international. Like, I think they're not afraid of spending that much money because like, because if you look at how
0: um, the Resident Evil series, is no, not, not, not
1: so much, not so much Resident Evil, but uh, the other one, the uh, Warcraft, like how Warcraft did internationally.
0: Yeah. Except the difference is that uh, Warcraft cost 180 million dollars. Well, They're not going to spend 180
1: million dollars on this film.
0: Yeah, which is probably why Monster Hunter is going to suck because there's no way to do a Monster Hunter movie unless you have like a Pacific Rim style budget. So I'm we're gonna get some we're gonna get some, I mean, like, gonna get some well, arena fun.
1: Not not, not, not not Pacific Rim, but probably
0: Pacific Rim Uprising. Pacific Rim Uprising had like a 175 million dollar budget. It didn't look nearly as good, so I don't know where the fuck that money went. But uh, I
1: think it's, I think it's like whatever Guillermo did, don't do it.
0: <laughs> don't do it. Put it in. Uh, put it in daytime. Uh, make everything look artificial. Um, have no consideration for the populace. Just completely give up on any type of like legitimate world building or logic to this universe you're trying to set up. Just just do that do that. I'm pretty sure is what the producer said when they made Pacific Rim Uprising. But um, yeah, so just to end the podcast because um, we actually ended up predominantly talking about The Intruder. Uh, check it out when it comes <laughs> on Netflix or Hulu or whatever Sony flicks end up popping
1: onto. Like some, I think Sony is like I think Sony's is mostly a stars type of like they usually do stars probably pop up in stars so yeah because uh like hbo is like anything that's warner brothers is hbo sure.
0: yeah
1: um and like some of the major studios may do hbo but if it's not them the stars i don't
0: disney disney when it goes to cable goes to stars absolutely yeah uh so well for the time being you know until disney plus pops up everything is just going to go to disney plus but we we, we've already gone over that so reg (laughs) this weekend and our next thing is going to be a whole thing about pikachu and video game adaptations and the other blue video game character that we'll dive into for that one but reg what's the numbers you got for detective pikachu what's your final answer
1: uh, I was, I was thinking that it would probably pull in, um, a hundred million, like a little bit, like either hundred one hundred two. hundred, hundred.
0: Do you think it right? Right at one hundred.
1: Well, well, because, um, uh, because there's enough in the fan base to get, a, get to those numbers. Right. But, um, and also I was going off of, uh, what Deadpool did, um, uh, right. last year with, uh, Infinity War. like Deadpool managed to get uh, like 116, knocking, uh, Infinity Ward second place. Right, right.
0: Well, for me, I'm still sticking with my 88 mil. Mm-hmm. I think that just there's going to be hesitation just because, like, the, the reviews seem to be okay. The buzz is still there. Uh, Pikachu is still immensely adorable. It's just that I think that there's still, like, a group of people just that we've been so vexed by video game adaptations that I think there's a sizable audience that is just like, man, I went through Max Payne. I went through Assassin's Creed. I remember Super Mario Bros. See, but again,
1: this is this is uh, Warner Brothers along with um, Pokemon company, company
0: is literally co. Is- yeah, working on this. You see that, but Capcom gave thumbs up to the Resident Evil series. They gave a thumbs up to Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. Like Capcom was like, "Yeah, that's a good idea." But Capcom doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. It's- I mean, like, like,
1: look at the first Street Fighter movie.
0: I will do. I will fucking defend that movie. You will defend it. Mortal Kombat was better, of course. Motor, well, Mortal Kombat works as an actual movie. Street <laughs> Fighter works in just like hilariousness. Schlock again to the conversation of schlock. Schlock is good. Street Fighter, the original one, is just mwah, magnificent. Schlock, a Belgian playing guile, like you can't tell me the. The funniest thing that you can stinker to is just like when Guile is giving the inspirational speech, but his fucking Belgian accent where it's just like, we are gonna go and get them. We we're gonna get that bastard bison and we are gonna stop him. We are gonna stop him and 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 defeat him. Let's let's do it, American Marines. Let's let's defeat them and go over and and, and defeat them. Look at the slits! Look what that could do! It's it's glorious. And Raúl Julio, come on, Raúl he's so good. See, it's spicy. I have. I,
1: haven't, I haven't, only see bits and pieces of it. I haven't seen the movie all the way through.
0: Okay, we're gonna have a dedicated episode to just Reggie watching All right. Have you yourself. seen Annihilation? Oh, you bet! I've seen fucking Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it has my single great a single favorite, terrible dialogue. Mother,
1: you're alive
0: yes and soon you won't be (laughs) soon you will die soon you will die (laughs) oh my god so yeah Um, uh video game conversation movie next time so uh yeah we're on spotify if you're listening to us on spotify uh thank you so much for listening check out intruder in theaters if you got like one of the subscription things that are still available and uh yeah we'll catch you next time i'm robert your co-host signing off
1: yeah ben good night everyone this is reggie signing off
0: all right take care everybody